All right, dude. What's up? How are you doing? Doing excellent, man. Very excited to get this P2 podcast rolling. Yeah, so we are going to obviously ease into this to be very low pressure. Uh, I think that if we start thinking about it as a podcast, it's probably going to get a little bit more intimidating. So hopefully keep it more of a conversation for the time being. But I want to go ahead and start this out. First, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself, and then I'm actually going to introduce myself and kind of go with a bit more of a, um, a broad scale introduction as to like what we're going to be doing here with the podcast and like how I'm going to be taking it forward. Um, and then we'll just get rolling into the full conversation about what we we were planning on talking about. So I'll let you take it away for the time being. Awesome. Well, yeah, man. Very happy to be a part of this. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is David Martin, I'm 25 years old based out of Indianapolis, Indiana now, and I'm an online coach. I think my main kind of niche is body recomposition for a wide variety of individuals. But yeah, very passionate about training and nutrition. Uh, went to Ohio State uh, with a degree in health promotion, nutrition, and exercise science. Graduated in 2019 and have done the personal training, online coaching, content creation thing since then. And uh, yeah, really excited to to delve into some good topics today. Yeah. And we'll talk about like your role in the internship, mentorship and stuff like that here in a second. But before that, I should probably introduce myself because I feel like that would probably be a, a bit better. So um, my name is Bryce Calvin. I am owner, started Progressive Performance um, a few years ago. So with that, we are a training company mostly, but just general health, fitness. Um, we do a lot of, of competitor work. So we work with athletes that are getting on stage, um, competing in physique sports, worked with tons of strength athletes as well over the years, and obviously tons of like gym pop, just people that are wanting to feel better, look better. Um, and then moving forward, a lot of our and my main focus is going to be on the educational side of things um, and really hoping to push the boundaries as far as we can on that side of it. So with that being said, uh, I'm going to start pushing into the internship and mentorship, your role with that, what we've been able to accomplish there, like what your experience has been. Um, and then we'll just slowly kind of integrate that into your background as a coach, where you came from educationally, and then also how you've been able to get to the point where you're at now. So with the internship, whenever you first applied, that was what, like six months ago at this point? Yeah. So for anyone who is listening or watching this who doesn't know, um, I run an internship and a mentorship program through Progressive Performance. Uh, we've been doing it for the last couple of years. Been super fun. Um, been able to take away a lot of things. Been able to grow, honestly, as a coach and also as an educator. So that's been really cool. Um, but David is part of our latest internship class. Now he's in the, the mentorship with me. But we've known each other for a while. I know that you've been coaching people for a while. You've been putting out content for a while. Why did you want to do the internship in the first place? This is going to sound a little fanboy, Bryce. But for the longest time, I really did uh, respect, look up to what you were doing, uh, especially as you started to really push forward with the P2 social media and, and the content that you were putting out, seeing the clients killing it out there. And I, for the longest time, thought like it would be really cool to like work with Bryce in some capacity to learn from him. And I think that even goes back to, you know, like 2021, when I really started paying attention to things. And I'd seen, I think maybe one round of internships before, didn't really pull the trigger that time, but the second round or whatever round we're on came around and I was like, yeah, let's do this thing. Cause I feel like you just, you always gotta be learning from the people that you're looking up to and you're doing a great, great thing here. So it just felt like the natural progression for me. Yeah. And that kind of branches into difference between internship and mentorship. So I kind of want you to start off with this because I'm sure that a lot of people would be a bit confused if someone is trying to define internship versus mentorship. I'll let you go, give your definition, give your differences, and then I'll kind of branch off of that and give mine. So you start. What do you think like internship, mentorship from your perspective, your experience with us, but also like just generally? Yeah, I think generally an internship is a lot more broad of a, of a learning experience. They're both learning experiences, uh, but to me, a mentorship, even, even with outside of the context of what you're doing is a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more individualized to really delve into the specific things that you might need to work on. Whereas an internship is just a, a great general way to 
gain some experience in the field that you like to pursue. Yeah, that, that's that's really how I think about it, too. I think of internship is broad, general, um, a little bit more hands off. And then I think of mentorship as very specific, very defined, very catered towards what your goals are as, you know, a, a career path or whatever you're trying to pursue there. And then much more hands on, much more interactive, working one on one with whoever your mentor is. Um, so like internships, you'll see people running, you know, 10, 12, 15 person internships. Mentorships, uh, I mean, we're talking max of like two or three people at a time where you can really handle that, which is kind of like where I'm at with you guys. It's really difficult to be able to give enough attention to a mentorship whenever you're talking scale. So no, I, and I think everyone should understand the benefit and value of doing things that are more personalized to what your goals are and what your, your path is. So mentorships, internships, post-educational coursework, things like that, certifications. Um, those are all super important for like continuing to build on top of like whatever your resume is, whatever your knowledge base is, because I'm sure that you probably agree with this, but like the, the general educational system, especially for like coaching, for fitness coaching, for personal trainers, there's a lot that gets left to be desired there. there it doesn't do a really good job of preparing you for what you're going to experience in the real world. So like, what was your experience with school and college and how does that kind of compare to what you're actually doing now? Yeah, I'd say in general, as a, as a quick disclaimer, my degree was, uh, it was the second year of the program. And I, I think they did a really good job with what it was. It kind of set me up to be like a Jack of all trades. So we had health promotion, nutrition, exercise science. However, I did feel that, uh, at least with the department that we had during my time, uh, they really wanted to push you into pursuing higher academia. And I was kind of jaded by that even. Um, they did a great job of teaching you the science, teaching you, you know, I guess the the more nuanced things. But in terms of coaching, it doesn't really cut it. Like there's a lot to be desired in terms of business management, run like knowing how to run a business, knowing how to market yourself. That was lacking. So yeah, your, I'm really glad. Yeah, that's what the program was called, just health promotion, nutrition, uh, and exercise okay. science. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's extremely broad. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of like the issue that I ran into as well, where my degree is exercise science, right? Like you, what exercise, what science, right? Like it, like there's, there's no specifics revolving in there. So um, I ran into a, a big problem whenever I started pursuing coaching and at first, it was actually like, you know, strength and conditioning. That's where I was like really trying to insert myself, see if I could get into like the collegiate side of things, maybe even professional. Um, and I realized like pretty early on that like what I was learning in the classroom, because I was doing them in parallel. So I was I was coaching at a private gym after interning there, but I was also going to school. And at the same time, I was realizing like how much more benefit I was getting from just working and seeing everything happen, happening in real life. Versus sitting in a classroom and like doing homework and like doing projects and writing essays and like even going to a lab, like it just it was not even close to the learning experience I had. So like there's a lot for me that that jades my opinion towards. I don't really think that like college is necessary for a lot of what we're trying to do. You know, um, I know there are a lot of courses. There are a lot of like online classes. There are a lot of certifications that you can get, seminars you can go to that can replace if not surpass what you'd be getting in school, paying, you know, a hundred times as much for that. So what are your experiences? Do you, do you have like certifications? Do you have like coursework? Have you attended seminars? And like, what are your experiences there? So. Yeah, I will say I have let the certification slip. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's a definite side tangent. I think a lot of certifications are trash and kind of 100%. just money, money farms. Yeah. Uh, there are definitely good ones out there though. So I should caveat that. Uh, but I'm really big on continuing my education, however I can, whether it be doing online courses, like you, like you mentioned, uh, there's a, a ton of good ones out there from really reputable sources and high level people, uh, going to seminars like, uh, elite FTS, the summit, that, that's one that I've checked out. Um, I'm going to be doing like a hands-on training with uh, the Renaissance periodization crew. So I think it's it's really important to do some kind of continuing education, um, especially with, the, with that gap that uh, the college education kind of leaves. 
Yeah. And one thing I've noticed about a lot of the higher level courses that are offered, whether they're like online and then practical and then some aspect of it is in person like there's maybe like a culminating seminar or there's something that you can pay to attend that has like a, a fly you out attend a week long or weekend long uh, in-person training experience type of thing where that has to be in my opinion the most beneficial side of anything that that someone can offer you know like we're you're doing a lot of online remote work. You're on your own. You're maybe going through like a curriculum. You're you're taking quizzes. You're doing this or that. Like for me, I am a good test taker. So like I can pretty much bullshit my way through a test. Doesn't mean I'm learning anything or that I actually can apply it, right? But I think that whenever you get someone in person and you put them in front of a situation, you're like, all right, cool, fix this. Like, tell me how to fix this person's squat. You know, all of a sudden it's just like, flashing red lights in their head like they have no clue what's going on right but if you gave them time to sit down with a pen and paper they might be able to write out how to fix someone's squat right like they might be able to answer that but there's like the practical gap where their brain just doesn't work fast enough their reflexes aren't there they're not developed to where they're able to do that with a client in front of them so like what do you think is the value of having like a lot of in-person experience versus online and i know that there are a lot of like online courses like what you talked about that are trash but there are also a lot of like really good online coaches that maybe don't even have a lot of in-person experience. But what do you think that value gap is? Do you think that it's really beneficial to start in person and go online? Do you think that it matters? Like, because I have my own opinions, obviously, but. Yeah, I do think that there's still some value in doing some time in person, whether it's an internship, whether it's working as a personal trainer at a gym for, for a while. Uh, like you said, just the ability to make minute adjustments on the fly, whether it's with someone's squat whether it's with someone's whole mentality and approach to training or their goals in a more general sense, you see a lot of different case studies right in front of you that then will build into the knowledge that you have to, to culminate to kind of advance yourself as a coach. So that time in person, it's a, it's a really valuable experience. And like you said, there's, there's ways to, to uh, maybe navigate around that if that's not something you want to pursue but it's something that I'd recommend. Yeah. And kind of going back to the internship aspect, I, I definitely learned the most in the shortest period of time, whenever I was going through a, an internship in person. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I had a great time doing it because it was a lot of bitch work, a lot of like slave labor, waking up at like 5am just to like go clean up mats and stuff like that. It wasn't super fun. Had to clean up a lot of puke. Um, <laughs> But just being in that environment, like seeing the pace that stuff operates at and being able to watch like good coaches coach. Like, I mean, you don't even have to do anything. You're just around it. You're seeing how it's done in, in real life. Like there's something that is like incredibly beneficial about that, that just can't be replicated. Just reading out of a book or watching like an online video or, or you know, even taking some of these courses. And like what we said, they're like some of them are really built out. Some of them are really, really well developed, done by really smart people. Like they just can't replicate the same experience that like being thrust into that situation in real life and just being told, Hey, now fix this, right? Like get it done. It it's a different kind of learning experience. And for me, I know that that's really gone a long way for my ability to not just coach people, but also like progress them for the long term. Because whenever you coach a lot of people in person for a long time, you realize that most things don't work the way that you intend for them to work. Like most things just break. So you kind of have to go into everything that you do with like contingency plans in your head. And I feel like I've carried that over into my like online coaching. And I feel like that's probably been like the absolute biggest benefit or biggest takeaway that I could have ever had. And it's really, really helped me along the way. So yeah, I, I really prioritize in-person coaching. I think that experience is, is really important for most people to, to at least get started and get that foundation under them. But um, yeah, moving forward. So continuing from the educational side, I think that this is a really interesting question because it's something I've pondered a little bit, but we both agree that there's something that's lacking from like the, the traditional college path of, you know, exercise science or kinesiology major. And then, you know, you graduate, maybe go on to master's degree in exercise physiology or something like that. And then cool. Like now you're ready to, to coach people in person. You go to LA fitness, you like charge, you know, $50 an hour, get clients fed to you, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then maybe you do that on your own. Like you, you decide to branch off. You're ready to start your own business. 
there's a lot that can be fixed in that process. There's a, a lot. And I know that's the traditional path for a lot of personal trainers that are really smart or coaches in general. So like, if it were up to you and if you could start a curriculum and you're like, I'm going to take someone from baseline level of knowledge to awesome coach, how would you develop that curriculum? And this can be like more of an abstract answer, but like what pillars would you, would you start with as well? You know, like, would you start straight anatomy, physiology, like physics, or would you go a little bit more like, all right, cool, maybe a little bit of, of psychology in here, a little bit of like business relations, maybe a little bit of marketing too, some finance, you know? Oh, wow, I said yeah. that finance. Um, but yeah, like, what? where is your head at with that? Because I, I know that that for me is an interesting kind of thought experiment because I've been down that traditional path before. So what about you? Where are you, where are you thinking with that? Yeah, I think there's, like you said, like five pillars that came to my mind right off the jump. Um, I think starting out with, so, like if I, I were talking to a 17, 18 year old kid that wants to go into like a higher, higher level learning experience, yeah, I would start them out with some basic type of exercise science knowledge, because at least for me and a lot of my friends that still do this, uh, like the passion is so there when you're that age and you really didn't get that at least we didn't get that coursework until year two three four and it was tough to have to stick through those hard sciences and and really just delay that gratification so i would start off with some basic exercise science knowledge definitely get the the business knowledge the business acumen in early as well get them thinking that way as they're growing up through those very formative years of, of school let's say uh so exercise science business you got to throw in some psychology uh, to understand people understand how to reach different people understand different learning styles different ways of communication so that's three four marketing to kind of take it to the next level maybe marketing slash finance because that's a huge as a business owner as well uh, knowing how to put yourself out there, knowing how to manage your money as it's coming in, cash flow, balancing, paying yourself. Maybe maybe I'll do that one day. And then uh, I do think there is some value to learning the more intricate and, and hard sciences as well, um, especially as you want to pursue high-level coaching. There's a lot of physiology that can go into peaking someone for a bodybuilding competition. There's a, a lot of stuff that it's just, it's nice to have that next level knowledge and see how that applies to the actual case study, the actual client. So this is some of the pillars that I think I would uh, lay out for a successful curriculum to get people to be on point with their coaching. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with a lot of that. And, um, you know, just expanding off of like the business side, I think that the business side is, is probably like the most overlooked. Um, and it's something that I really struggled with whenever I was coming up as a coach was I, I knew or thought that I was a really good coach. I thought that I knew a lot about like, you know, anatomy, physiology, coaching, programming, nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, man, like I, I know a lot about this shit. Like, why is that not translating into me, you know, having more clients and like getting better results with my clients and people knowing about me, you know? Um, and then I just realized that like, I fucking sucked at business. And I like, I didn't prioritize that aspect of things. I was so focused on learning everything I could about training, about fitness, about nutrition, about, you know, competing and all of the intricacies involved in that stuff. And I completely disregarded everything having to do with like business management and starting running a business, growing a business, marketing for a business. And if I could build in probably any curriculum for someone who is like actually trying to be somewhat independent, do their own thing, I think it would actually start with business management. And that might be like sacrilegious to a lot of people to say like starting with business management over like an exercise science foundation. But I think that's where I would start, to be honest, because I feel like that is seriously so important. Like it like it doesn't do you much good if you're the best coach in the world, but you're so poor that you can't support yourself and you can't be a coach. Right. Like if you can't if you can't get people in the door to prove that you're a great coach. So you have to work, you know, a nine to five like everyone else, then you it, there's no need for you to be that good at it. Like it, it, you're not getting anything out of that. There's no tangible value provided. So yeah, I, that's where I think I would start. But um, 
it's still an interesting thought experiment. I, I like that mm -hmm. thought experiment. So um, yeah. it's kind of like where I had to start with the internship and mentorship, like where where exactly would I go with those things if I were starting from the from the ground up? So no, I like that. Um, all right. Next thing I kind of want to move on to is like your own personal journey. And we all have our own trials, tribulations, peaks, valleys, whenever it comes to fitness. And I think that all of us can look back to like individual moments where maybe like light bulbs were like, holy shit, like I've been doing a lot of things wrong for a really long time. Um, so like what got you into to fitness in, in the beginning? Like what made you interested in fitness? Like where was that journey originated from? Were there any like landmarks through that journey where you're like, these were kind of turning points where I, I like aha moments, right? Um, and then also like, what were some big mistakes that you feel like you made along the way where if you could, you would go back and like rectify those? Yeah, mistakes from like, the business or just like training back no, in the day? Yeah, let's pivot off of business. Let's just training. Okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'll, I clearly remember the day I first walked into the gym and, and got hooked. One of my friends, we both didn't play a winter sport. So he's like, why don't you just come up to the Y with me? We'll train. So I was like, okay. Never had been up to the Y. Never been in a weight room other than for sports. And at the time, I had zero self-confidence. Like we lifted with the high school football team in middle school and just seeing those dudes put up huge numbers. It was, it was intimidating. Uh, so seeing fitness and, and lifting in a different setting was a nice thing for me. Uh, we trained like absolute dog shit though. Are we cussing on this podcast? That's a question. Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I remember we did like sets of three to five on seated rows, like stupid stuff like that. <laughs> and no, I, I, have, always... I have a better one. I have a better one. Just, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no go I ahead. One. I remember a, a vivid time. Whenever I was in high school, I maxed out on leg extensions. <laughs> now you can go. Now you can go. Yeah, dude. That sounds like something we would have done too. Yeah. Um, and I just, I'm the type that always likes to take something that I like, something that I'm passionate about to the next level. So I hopped on YouTube and man, there was like this dude named Mike Chang. He was having people do like towel rows and like all kinds of at-home workouts. So like kind of learned some things from that. But then uh, I got into better sources and like, I learned from Mark Bell and he had this thing called the power cast and there were so many knowledgeable people from that. And it kind of just spread out like a spider web from there with so many people to learn from started reading every book I could checking out some magazines. And I have pretty much always just sought out training partners that were as passionate as me, but a little bit more knowledgeable than me. So I trained with some people throughout high school, um, slowly started to see some results and eventually wanted to take it to uh, be like a profession. So it's what I did in college. From there, one funny thing that I used to do, it was big at the time on social media was squat every day. So I squatted probably every day for uh, about three years, like damn near every day. I hardly ever missed. And in conjunction with that, I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning to go out and train at, in Pataskala with my man. And uh, the diet was anabolic fasting. I think about that and tell me what you think, but I'm not going to say anything. So I'd wake up, train at four and then wouldn't eat until noon. Um, after that, I kind of had a come to Jesus moment. I was like, wow, this is actually dumb as hell. And that's when I really started to take kind of a more science-based approach, actually using some of the things that I learned from school and my own training, got with some better people and learned from them directly. And that was a big light bulb movement for me. And that's when I really started to see some good progress. Didn't feel like garbage. And it, here we are, you know, learning from Bryce, the pinnacle <laughs> of it all. No. And I think that we all have like very similar journeys, right? Like, especially for people that have been in the game for a while, there's just something that gets you hooked about the gym. And I can't really put my finger on it for myself personally. Um, but I, I think that it's just like the, the really early quick improvements that you see, like seeing how fast your body changes at the beginning, it's just like, it is so addicting. And then like, you're always chasing that from like that first three months that you're in the gym. Like for me, I trained at the YMCA. Like that was like, like the, the initiation for me. And I remember like how fast my body changed. I was like, you know, 15, 16 years old. It was absolutely crazy. And then I was like, always just so hooked to that progression like it was just like chasing that progression um and like for you it, it sounds very much like you've always had like a pretty positive experience with training right and fitness right it seems very much like this is a growth thing this is a, a 
an addition to my life rather than like an obligation. Do you have any instance in your life where you felt like fitness has been more of a negative than a positive? Not at all. And that's, uh, especially learning from you recently, it's something that I've thought a lot about. And it's hard for me to fathom that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. Hopefully no, the day never comes if, if that could be a thing. <laughs> 100%. Like, and, and I think that's where it's it's really important to um, to have some kind of of separation between church and state, between work and and life and your passion. Um, you know, for me, like we've talked about, I, I've done a poor job of creating those boundaries in the past. And my work definitely consumed my passion for fitness at times and slowly kind of trying to work my way out of that. But uh, but for me, it, it's really necessitated changing my priorities a lot because my priorities before were really just like get as big and strong as possible. And then whenever my body started breaking down, that was really demoralizing. It was hard to be motivated to go to the gym whenever my entire body felt like I was breaking in half all the time. Um, but now, yeah, my priorities have changed. It's just interesting for you where like you have such a, a rosy view of fitness. It's amazing. I love it, man. It's just so innocent. Yeah, man. Honestly, that's a good way to put it. So when I first met you, is that when you were in that mode of like, let's get as big and strong, big and strong as possible? Yeah. 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 yeah definitely. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. like, uh, because at my peak, I that would have been like in 2019 around yeah. then. Um, yeah. I mean, I was 275. Just doing uh, dumb shit in the gym. I'd be walking in there like, oh, that's, I, that's I, what I actually, this gym is about. <laughs> actually, I was, I was having a conversation with someone um, the other day, and I was talking about how like my perspective has changed so much because in the moment, whenever I was doing a lot of that stuff, like you talked about, you squatted every day. Like for me, I deadlifted every day for like a month in 2019. And what turned, it started as I'm just going to do like a deadlift movement every day. And it turned into, I'm going to deadlift heavy, heavy every day with a different movement every day. So it was like one day I'm going to do like 200 pound dumbbell RDLs. The next day I'm going to do like 500 pound trap bar deadlifts. And it was really fucking stupid but in the moment, I was like, this is very doable. I can do it. My body won't break. Now I'm like, I can't even do one day of that shit, much less like 30 straight days of that. It's crazy. So no, I think that just like my training was back then and my perspective on fitness was just completely unsustainable. So because I pushed kind of like, I, I got too close to the sun, right? Like mm -hmm. that's just, that that's what happened to me. I, I had an Icarus moment um, and I burned up and now I've kind of, tried to figure out how to move forward, picking up the pieces and trying to find that like passion and motivation again. Um, it's been in different ways, but I also like, I tore my adductor in 2020, which was not good for, for my ability to stay motivated to, to train hard. But, but yeah, man, it's, it, I like how you have been able to, to kind of like separate those things because even with work right now, like you work at a, at a, chiropr a chiropractic clinic. So it's not like the most, inundated position possible but you're so close enough to like fitness that it's it's still well within your boundaries and your scope which is good um but talking about scope imposter syndrome is something that i think i've struggled with a lot in the past and i know that you and i've had these conversations before so right now one to ten how strong would you say your imposter syndrome is whenever you're working with like fitness clients, whenever you're coaching people, like how strong would you say it is right now? <clears throat> yeah. With that type of demographic, I think it's probably at about a two. Like I do feel pretty confident that I can help people get to their results. Um, you know, I've done it before, I've done it myself and it's not something that's ever really been a big issue for me. But that being said, I know there's high level clients. I know, I think part of your story was like, you had some really high level clients thrown at you and an earlier yeah. phase. And I imagine that would be, uh, you know, whew, that'd be, a, that'd be a, an experience to say the least. Yeah. I actually, I struggled with imposter syndrome really bad for a really long time. Um, part of it was me knowing that I was educated, knowing that I was experienced, knowing that I could apply my experience, my education with clients, but always feeling a little bit like there might be someone better than me for that job. You know what I mean? So 
obviously that's a completely ridiculous way of, of viewing things and analyzing it, right? Because there's always going to be someone who's better than you at a particular job at a particular time, right? Um, but I struggled with it for a long time. I don't really know when I overcame it, but I think I just kind of gradually got into a much more comfortable position with like what I do and how I do it to where even whenever I, I post or talk about things on social media or I have conversations with other people who are in the industry, like I never second guess myself. And I think before I was always like, let me double check to make sure this is right. And this information isn't wrong. I'm just like, intuitively, I understand what I'm doing and how and how I'm doing it and what I'm saying. So like, do you think that there is going to be a point for you where like imposter syndrome just completely goes away and that you could have someone who is, let's say like a professional athlete thrown at you and you're like, I got this shit. Yeah. Honestly. So the other day we were talking about how I coached a powerlifting client at a meet. And honestly, I will say the peak that I designed was pretty shitty for him. Um, that being said, before we started this peak, programming is going great. We did like a mock meet where I just completely kind of like freehanded a peak. Um, and he did a great job. This was the summer, last summer of 2022. Uh, I really like relied heavily on some textbook information and some other peaks that I'd seen high-level coaches uh, give out. And he didn't respond well to it. The meat was good, um, but it wasn't as good as I think it could have been. And that was just kind of like a affirmation to me, like, just go with your gut, you know, like you've done this a couple of times and people have had good results, but when you kind of like, don't trust yourself, that's when issues start to happen. So I think, I mean, yeah, there's levels to this. That's something that you always got to keep in mind, but it's, uh, it's definitely getting there for me. One thing about me in general in life is what I've realized is I have lacked confidence in areas and I always end up surprising myself. And thinking back, like, damn, why did I doubt myself? Why didn't I just like go in with this type of like positive attitude? Uh, so that's something that I'm just working on personally myself, but it really applies to coaching as well. Yeah. So I think that actually what you articulated there, that that might be the the turning point that I experienced as well, where I was always in my head before about like, like I, like I said, you know, like someone can do this better than me. And then I think I got to a point where I was like, you know what, someone might be able to do it better than me, but I can do this better than most people, you know? And I think whenever I started shifting my, my thoughts to that frame, that really helped me to not feel like I was in a position that like I, I didn't deserve. And it was much more of like, no, I've, I've earned this. Like I put in the time, I put in the effort, like I know what I'm doing and my client is in better, like better hands with me than they would be with most other coaches. So it's better for me to be doing it than for them to seek this out somewhere else. So I'm going to take over and I'm going to do the best that I can with it. Right. And I can't allow myself to think, well, maybe 1% of people, 1% of coaches can do this better than I can. It's like potentially, but that's still 99%, right? Like, like that's still a really, really, really good outcome for the client. So that's the way that I, I think that the, the phrasing that was maybe a little bit intuitive or subconscious for me, allowed me to move past that imposter syndrome. But like, I guess the interesting way of looking at that is there's always some, some baseline level that never goes away. And do you feel like whenever you're around other people who are on like the same level of knowledge and experience as you, that it flares up a little bit more? Or do you feel like it's always like relatively consistent? Because I know for me, there are definitely spectrums even now. Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to my my thought that there's levels to this. Um, when I'm around like my peers, I really don't feel like that. Uh, yeah. I feel like, you know, I like you said, like there might be people better than me, but I can do a pretty damn good job at this. Like when I compare myself to you, there's levels to this. But I know that, you know, hopefully when I'm at your spot, I'll be I'll be just as good. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So carrying on into the next aspect of the conversation, I think that it's going to be really beneficial for us to talk about transitioning from more of like the coach centric side of fitness to more of like the client centric side, and especially as it relates to us managing 
and handling clients that are working with us. Um, so we can talk a little bit more like the, the client experience. But one thing I really wanted to talk about was best practices for working with clients and also best practices for clients working with coaches, because those are going to be extremely important in both directions. And I don't think that a lot of people really pay too much attention to, especially like the latter, like the, the client facing coach side. So from your perspective, like what are a lot of prominent issues that you run into whenever you're working with clients or like a, a new client comes in, starts with you, fills out a questionnaire. Um, like what are some of the really popular, maybe not popular, really common issues that you see you have new people coming in yeah i think one issue that i've worked really hard and learned from you is just to make things as clear as possible you got to make it so that there's absolutely no room to fuck anything up and that's not to say like people are messing up that's just it's easy to do uh, when you bring someone into your set way of doing something so I think, you know, I've taken a, a big thing away from you is just be as, put it as straightforward and descriptively yet concise as possible. So that that's carried over to my onboarding. I've, uh, you know, read, redone some of my like intake questionnaires, made them, made them simple, made them easy, made them very clear. Um, and then that, you know, transcends to the the beginning of their workout training program as well. And just making sure that Everything is as simply put as possible. And I think also one thing that I've picked up over the years as well is not trying to inundate them with too many things at once. So like, you know, you're, you're working with someone, you get excited for them, you know, they're, they're high energy and, and ready to get after it as well. But I'll throw like five different objective data tracking forms at them and it's just like whoa 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 that's a lot maybe yeah. we drip one out every week or something um you know and creating baby steps that that lead up to the final product uh and those are yeah those are some of the things that i think i've encountered so far just making it like a more seamless process yeah and i, I know that like chris and i had talked about a few of these things before um but but one big thing that i see is Clients coming in with this huge overestimation of their abilities, both current and past, and also what they've been able to accomplish. So that's not to really try and diminish people, but it's more so to just give like a healthy dose of reality where I'll have people coming in saying, you know, they're like proficient or they're advanced, like they're an advanced athlete. And then you get a couple of, of training videos of them and you're like, like you don't even know how to squat yet. Like you're like, you're definitely not an advanced athlete like that. That's a severe overestimation of your abilities right now. You know, um, I, I don't think that a lot of people have the correct amount of like self-reflection and self-honesty, just being like, you know, super transparent with their own capabilities. And I think a lot of people like to round up. So that's something that I've had to deal with a lot of my clients is like just taking steps back to be able to rework a lot of like the the foundational aspects of training it's training specifically but i mean this carries over to any kind of like nutrition or fitness related topic but um because then once you get the foundation in, in order and like you you know what's going on there especially like as a coach if you can control that then you're setting yourself up much better to be able to push forward and like you know what you were hoping to accomplish what you were planning and like your own your own style of coaching because if you can control the beginning, you can obviously control like the the process and journey after that. But um, but no, like coming back to you, uh, if you have a client coming in, and let's say that that client says that something that you're doing is like just very overwhelming for them, right? Like the way that you're writing a training protocol, like they have no idea what let's say like RPE means, for example, right? Like what is the the first step that you go to to rectifying some of those problems? Like like what is your first instinct for, I'm going to make my client's life a lot easier and I'm, I'm going to reduce these friction points by doing X. Like what is X for you? Yeah, I think one thing that, so like, let's say I didn't do this. My my first go-to would be to verbalize it in a, in a diff, through a different medium. Like I'm a huge video guy. We've talked about this. You probably see it if you've ever seen me do anything on the P2 page. Um, but taking advantage of that medium where you're, you're speaking things out and you can kind of use metaphors and examples is something that I really like to do in my coaching. Um, but if maybe that still yet doesn't drive the point home, uh, I think 
reverse engineering it and making it as simple as it might be, you know, maybe we take RPE, RPE out for a little bit. And that can be kind of like a contradicting way of thought, especially for me, especially for you, you know, guys like us that really want to like dial in every detail and use the the tools that we have in our toolbox, but it's okay. Like if someone is training and maybe they could send you a video and you just say like, let's just, you know, instead of shooting for uh, three reps in reserve, giving them like three by three RIR, maybe we just say three by 10. Yeah. You know, they're still going to see progress. They're still going to see results from that. It's okay that you didn't, you didn't get on the first go around. I'm sure over time that, that uh, they'll build on those skills and build on their, their ability to integrate those things into their, their own training. Have you ever had clients who just like, can't get it? Like no matter what you, you do, it just feels like they're never going to get it. Yeah. At that point, I think like, like I said, like almost just reframing it entirely is, is my move. Like I had one, you know, I'm big on giving rep ranges, like let's say 10 to 15. And she was like, I'm always going to shoot for 15, no matter what, like my form is breaking down. Like when I see that, I'm I'm just going to go for it. I was like, okay, let's just give you three by 12 then. Like it's fine. <laughs> that is, that is tough. You just got to be patient and and meet them halfway is, is my approach to it. Man, the people that like you give 10 to 15 rep range, but like they can't stop at an odd number. Like they can't, they can't rein themselves in to stop at 11 or 13. Mm -hmm. And like, they always just self-sabotage because they're like, I got to get to 10 or 15 or 20. Like Mm -hmm. they can't fall on one of those like odd numbers. Um, Or I guess, yeah, I guess even like a prime number too, because I feel like people struggle with like seven. Yeah. Struggle with 13. They struggle with 11. Like they can't do like 17 very well. Yeah, those are the those are the numbers that I feel like a lot of people struggle with whenever it comes to rep ranges, which now that I'm thinking about it is like kind of goofy. But um, but no, I I completely agree with you, you know, and communication with with the coach client relationship is is so important. It is like completely impossible to overstate, or it's it is probably the most important aspect of anything that you're gonna be doing with coaching, working with clients one-on-one, being able to like help people in any aspect. Communication is just like everything. It is what it all has to be built off of. Um, Especially in a remote environment too. Like whenever you're working online, because so many things can get lost in translation. If you're doing things through email, through text, um, even through like voice memos and calls, like just, you can't communicate your body language the same way that you would in person. So it's really difficult to be able to actually progress your relationship purely through communication and through like building that side of it unless you have some like really explicit tactics that you can go to or if you've been doing it for a while and like you build up like a good repertoire of like experiences and like tips tricks kind of like psychological hacks that you can put in and you can like kind of keep in your back pocket as well and for me I've noticed that a lot of like the failures with coach client relationships tend to come from communication. They tend to come from lacks of communication, um, misinterpretations, like someone, they don't necessarily have the best way of empathizing through email or text or even calls and things just get mixed up. And whenever things get mixed up, it's really hard to like go back on those. Like whenever feelings have been hurt, whenever you've said something, whenever you've gotten upset, whenever you haven't said something, like it's really hard to to make those things right. So like for you, like have you ever A, had an issue with like, like with client relationships? Have you ever had an issue with client relationships that have deemed or stemmed from communication lacks? And if so, like how do you typically go about like bridging those concerns? Because I have, I have my, my strategies and like the way that I do it and the way that we do it, but like like, what about you? Have you ever had those issues? Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. One that comes to mind is I shifted over from doing all my programming through Excel back in the day to this app that I use now to deliver my my programs to people. And one client just really didn't, didn't I think she didn't get the point of what we were doing with like each workout uh, because I couldn't include like, I mean, 
it was similar to the way you do the, the the notes, not to that level by any means back in, in 2020 for me, for anyone that's done programming with Bryce, you know what I mean? Those are, those are very explicitly great details that he includes. Um, so I was just like, all right, let's try to meet halfway on this. We can go back to Excel. Um, but in, instead of, cause my big thing was like, this takes a lot of time. Now, after working with you, I realized that there's a lot of value in that. But I was like, I'm just going to basically give you a five minute video explaining my intent with each training session. If there's any little odd things or, or uh, special intensity techniques or, or different training techniques that I want you to employ, I'm going to mention that. Um, and then we can kind of meet each other halfway here. So I think like, like you said, communication's huge. And then with that, you have to meet people halfway. Um, you can't let it hinder your, the way you run your business. But at the end of the day, if they pay you money, you got to try to help them out to the best of your ability. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, 100%. And that I mean, that's where a lot of people fall short. A lot of people fall short with just like going that extra step to be able to like work in the client's comfort zone versus your own comfort zone. And sometimes that's as simple as like, I prefer things over FaceTime or over like a video call, right? Like I like that's how I prefer to communicate, especially like sensitive topics. Like if I have a client who's having an issue or like, you know, a problem with the way that I'm coaching, they they have something they want to bring up to me. I don't want to do it over email or through text. I, I prefer to get them on like a video call to where we can actually talk things over. Like I can see their body language. I can hear their inflection in their voice. They can see mine. And it tends to work so much better because things just don't get lost nearly as frequently and as easily whenever you're seeing someone in front of you, quote unquote, like on a, on a video call and you could hear their voice, like text, email, it doesn't have like the same impact. And sometimes it can have an impact that is far beyond what you intended it to be in a negative way. Um, so yeah, I think that like communication is so important and just like allowing your clients to feel comfortable with being open in that communication, like actually bringing things to you if they're having problems, because like I've seen a lot of like toxic coaches and a lot of really, really poor methods of handling client disagreements, client issues. Um, and it's honestly really bad. Like, I mean, I, I feel like it's gotten better in the past like, couple of years, but like the toxicity that kind of is prevalent, especially with like, like coaching teams, like bigger coaching teams, um, it can be like, you know, pretty horrible and like it's like almost like a high school click you know sometimes where everyone feels like they're just kind of preying on the outsiders and everyone is like it's the world against me so with that like have you seen specific instances of like toxicity from coaches maybe even from clients as well and has that ever really happened to you? Like, have you ever felt that a, a like a client relationship with you has been like moving towards like a toxic point where like the stress is just not worth what you're getting out of it or what your client's getting out of it? Yeah, I'd say very limited. Um, and, and I think that one came down to uh, adherence at the end of the day. Um, I think it's okay though, because you, you don't have to work with everyone and you might just not be the best fit. You know, I, I always try to get, go above and beyond and give every effort so that they don't leave with a bad taste in their, in their mouth. And so they're not like spreading bad things about my business and the way I do things. So I always give it like my best shot. It's hard to tell someone like, I really think that you're cheating yourself and that you're not being adherent and that you could do better. That's a very hard conversation to have. So you can't really like, I mean, personally, me, I am not the most blunt person. I will try to be nice. I will try to uh, say things in an eloquent way that's not going to like shit on someone's feelings. You might have to do that at times, though, if you really want to make it happen for that person. It might be like that come to Jesus moment. For me, I think my natural tendency is just like this has been a headache. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go on and and try to try to work with somebody else. But I, I think there is a time and place to say like, it's time to have a hard conversation. And if you're not holding up your end of the deal, I'm not going to be able to deliver these results to you. Yeah. And I agree with that, all of that. And it's, it's not easy to have those like really difficult conversations or like really constructively criticizing conversations with your clients um, because going back to the communication aspect, like you don't really know how your client is going to take it. And some people 
need tough love and they thrive in tough love. And some people really break in tough love. Like they need more of like the empathetic nurturing type of coaching. Um, and that's where it gets kind of difficult because most coaches can't go back and forth between tough love and nurturing coach. Like the, like that is a very difficult shift for them, but every client is going to be difficult or not difficult, but different. Every client is going to be different and they're going to need different things. So I've noticed, especially with a lot of like the, the toxic relationships that have developed with different coaches is that it's usually stemming from a coach being rigid in one coaching style and not knowing how to like traverse that spectrum and give the client what they're needing. It's very much like, I'm a tough love coach. If you can't accept this, then too bad. But that's how I am. That's how I coach. When the client is like, wow, I really just need something a little bit more. I need you to be there for me. I'm struggling. I need you to tell me it's okay. Like those types of things. Um, but yeah, like, have you ever seen like specific instances of like other coaches being toxic towards their clients? <clears throat> firsthand um i don't think so but you know you hear stories yeah and i always just try to tell people like if you're not happy and this is one thing that i feel like would be a good question for you uh, i always tell people like if you're not happy with your coach i'm never going to be like if someone comes to me and says like hey my coach did this what should I do? I'm just going to be like, have the conversation with them, ask them the question. If they're not cool with it, or if they just don't even want to engage in that, they're probably not the best coach for you. Um, but I'm never one to like straight up shit on someone yeah. to their client's face. I think that's just bad karma. Yeah. Um, so my question for you is how do you make a client comfortable with questioning your methods? Because I think like a lot of, a lot of clients, maybe they had like an issue with the way I was doing something or they, you know, they, they had a question, but they didn't want to like come off as like attacking me. And I'm like, no, I don't take it that way as that way at all. I actually like if you ask the hard questions, but it can be an intimidating thing for them to do. So how would you just open that door of communication? Like it's okay. If you have a problem with something I'm doing, it's okay. If you don't like this and you want to talk about it. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I do is I, I explicitly tell all of my clients whenever they start with me, I welcome you asking why, like if, if you ask me why I will be happy because that at least tells me that you're engaged and that tells me that you're, you're active. Like you're, you're being a participant in this relationship rather than just being like the recipient of what I'm giving you. Right. Like I need it to be a two way street. Um, and that's not always the case. And sometimes you have clients that just, you know, go through the motions. They're just kind of zombies. Like they take what you give them, but you're, they're not really giving you much feedback they don't really communicate very much with you. It's just kind of like a, Hey, here's me checking in. Here's, you know, my training, here's my protocols. I did this, I did that, you know, and there's really nothing else to it, right? There's not a lot of substance. Um, but whenever I have clients, especially at the beginning that, that ask a question, I really do my best to reiterate that I'm happy that you're asking that question because it gives me an opportunity to expand on why I put it in there. And it's also showing me that you are, you're caring, like you're paying attention, you're wanting to know more, you're curious. And like, those are all really good qualities to have in a successful client and someone who is like going to be taking the most advantage of what you're giving them. Um, so I think really the best way to make clients comfortable with asking questions is just to reiterate, it's okay to ask questions. I'm happy that you're asking these questions. And clearly there's a big difference between like asking why versus like, being a dick, right? Like I've also had clients that are just, <laughs> they have been dicks and maybe they're in a bad mood. You know, maybe they had a horrible training session, maybe this or that, maybe they're just a dick. I don't know. But, um, but I've definitely had those instances, right? And what I've done in the past is I will call it out. So if I take something the wrong way, especially whenever it comes to like a question, I'll go back to that client and be like, hey, can you clarify what you meant by this, right? Like, do you want to know more about like why I ha am having you do this? Or are you upset that I'm having you do this? And like, this is a negative reaction, right? It's like, I don't want to just like call them out on it and say, hey, don't, don't say this to me. But at the same time, they also, and clients don't have the right to talk 
to treat you like shit as a coach. Just because yeah. just because a client is paying you, they don't have the right to treat you like shit based off of like their own emotional up and downs and their own personal life, right? So that's where you have to draw that line and you have to be like very explicit. Again, communication, to be explicit with your clients, be like, hey, I'm here for you as a coach. I'm here for anything that you need. You can't treat me like shit. You know what I mean? So they have to understand where those boundaries are, but it's also the client or the coach's job to set those boundaries. Like they have to be able to establish them. So it's like, ask questions all you want, ask me why, but don't be a dick. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's pretty clear. Um, but yeah, like I've seen too many times where coaches, they refuse to answer clients questions, no matter what they are, because they're just like, do it. Like it's because that's your protocol. That's your protocol. That's, that's what I told you to do. That's like what you should be doing. You know, if you're asking questions about why you're doing it, then you're clearly like not a good client. Right. Um, but, oh, did this kick me off? I lost you there for a second, but I'm back with you. Jesus. Oh yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> My internet just disconnected because everything got kicked off. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it, really what I was saying there was, um, like I've, I've seen coaches that tell their clients explicitly, like, do not question me. Do not ask questions. Don't ask why, because that is implying that you are, you know, questioning my coaching ability. You're, you're like questioning everything that I'm having you do, but it doesn't have to be the case. And I, and I think that like, if a coach is acting like that towards a client, like that's probably just like, uh an underlying level of insecurity in their own coaching ability. Like they probably know deep down that they don't really have a reason for why they're having their client do that. So they can't really explain it. So from the client's end, they should probably just get the fuck out anyway. Like they should, they need to dip out. So um, no, I think that was interesting. Like coach client relationships and what goes into those and what goes into healthy relationships there. I think that's, that, that could be its own podcast because that's a, a really interesting one. I actually wrote like, a series on Instagram, just like a yeah, like yeah. part series about like how to navigate the coach client relationship. Um, and that was actually a good experiment for me to be able to like sit down and like actually explain where my thoughts were and like how I wanted clients to approach a relationship with me as a coach. Um, but that's, I think a, a good potential topic for another day that can be expanded on a little bit more, but I really appreciate you doing this with me, man. I know that this is like the the first of hopefully like a lot of podcasts where I'm less dumb and also my internet is less unstable. So um, yeah, I mean, wrapping this up, I, I kind of want to ask you a question because this is something that I ran into the other day. Uh, I don't remember where I saw it, but it really made my brain hurt because I was thinking about it so much. And I even, I even asked my girlfriend, I asked Lex, I was like, what would you say to this? Because it was just such an interesting question. But essentially, it was, if you could choose to work on one thing for the rest of your life, and you're guaranteed success in anything that you choose, whatever it could be, it could be, you know, work, it could be leisure, it could be relationship, but one, one thing, and it's success that's guaranteed, however you define success, what would you choose? This is a very good question. And I think it it involves around like high level competition with um probably the way just to pass where the passion's at right now is physique sports, but not, not even for myself. Like I wouldn't even have the desire to like go up and win the Olympia, but like like bringing someone in to the best of their ability, showing someone else that what they're capable of and delivering like a, a great competitive experience is uh probably what I would do for that no that's dope man yeah that that one really like made me rack my brain because mm -hmm. the longer I thought about it the more specific I got with my answer to myself so I feel like for you I'd be I'll be curious to talk to you a little bit later oh, yeah. and see like what you can come up with with a little bit more time to ponder on that one because that's yeah that's tough it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting one. And I remember whenever I saw it, I was like, man, that's a, a really like deep philosophical question. But yeah, I liked it. So I feel like I'm probably gonna use that one 
with future podcast episodes and future people that I have on here because I, I, I like it. So no, man, again, I really appreciate you doing this. So wrap this up. Um, thank you all for, for watching, for listening, but all right, man, if you want to sign off, you, you can go ahead and do it. What drop your handles, uh, drop your, your info real quick. I just got to say guys, thank you so much for listening. Go ahead follow the p2 page if you're not already follow bryce if you're not already follow myself at dmart training on instagram that's where i'm most active and then if you're watching this on youtube leave us a leave us a comment help that engagement hit that subscribe button if you're listening in on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you might be go ahead and give us a review because it's only up from here and i felt like that was a, it was a good conversation so with that being said you check me out on YouTube at DMART Training as well because they just added handles, which makes my life so much easier having the generic ass name of David Martin. So uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Bryce, for all of the continuing education opportunities and the opportunity to do this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. And I think it went pretty well for the first one in a minute. So yeah, you know what, um, David, I'm just going to clip that and use that as a sign off from now on. there we go that was good i'm not talking now so all right thank you again man i'm gonna wrap this up awesome